I know for most of you, it makes no difference when I record these things. Um, it's just, you watch it when you can. That's the beauty of the internet, the beauty of podcasting. It's, it's not live. It's banked somewhere on a server in Indonesia. I don't know. I don't know exactly where. But it makes no difference when I come in and sit down and turn on this microphone and start talking to you, right? And it's out there and it's there forever. But it makes a difference to me. It is currently 8.30 in the morning. I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea to do a podcast before I have to do a live, but I've never done it, so I wanted to try it. And I don't really have a specific uh, topic. I don't have anything I want to talk about in particular. I'm just going to ramble. So welcome to Film My Home. My name is Phil Balabanos, and let's, let's take a ride into the unknown. The unknown being the unknown thoughts that pop into my head while I'm trying to focus on stuff. Um, where to begin? Let's, let's talk about that first nonsensical statement I made, that it makes no difference because it's out there forever. It is out there forever. Um, and I think about that a lot. I, I le legitimately spend way too much time thinking about how there are videos of me on the internet that will exist until the... Well, I don't, I don't actually know when they'll exist for. I started thinking about this because I came across... What was it called? I can't remember what it was called right now. But I came across an ad on Instagram... That was, it was basically a, uh, they were, they're hiring videographers to build blockchain um, time capsules. So you record people for future generations and they guarantee that these things will be online and accessible and viewable for the next 300 years. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Then I thought about it. I go, how long will the stuff I've made be on the internet for? Like, how long will the internet, the web 2.0, if you will? this version of the internet exists where there's videos that you can interact with. Um, I have yet to live through a purge of, of the web, right? I'm sure it's going to happen. I, I assume it's going to happen. Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, coffee is nice. Um, there is nothing that I've put online that has been online so long that it's been archived and you can no longer see it so purged in that extent. Uh, actually, you know what? That's not true. Some of my early Facebook video posts, stuff I posted very early on in the, in the advent of like social media getting to the point where it could you know, house video on its own service. Because before, I don't know if you guys remember, I don't know how old some of the people listening are. But when Facebook started, uh, when it was, I mean, not when it was just like a Facebook for universities, but when it became publicly accessible, we used to just share, I mean, we used to share song lyrics because that was a thing that happened and I cringe sometimes when I see them. Uh, and I remember that statuses were like, Philip is, or, and you would like continue that grammatical structure. Like, so Philip is status update. Philip is walking outside, you know, like instead of going for a walk or, uh, it was just weird. <laughs> it's weird and cringy. Um, but we used to share YouTube, like a lot of music, first of all, we used to share music. We share YouTube links to music videos. And they used to work pretty well. Like, it was just a link. You would see the thumbnail, and you'd click, and you'd go off to it. But uh, at some point after Facebook introduced video, like its own version of video, like where you could upload directly to the Facebook site, um, they, they started making it weird to post YouTube videos. Like, the videos from Facebook server would actually just pre-play, whereas, I mean, that still exists now, whereas the YouTube ones would kind of be annoying and they wouldn't show a preview and they were trying to discourage people from using YouTube. They wanted them to use 
uh, Facebook's own video platform, which in my opinion is the worst thing on the internet. Facebook's video uh, uploading that whole the whole environment, the whole ecosystem they built around video is atrocious. It's like it, it it's built for meaningless, nonsensical scrolling that's hard to get out of. Like it's literally hard to get out. I've I've gone off on a tangent, but I I mean it doesn't really matter because it's my fucking show and I can talk about whatever I want. But I have noticed that some of those early videos are no longer viewable from my phone. If I go to the Facebook website on a computer, which I never do, I mean, who does that? The psychopath only does that, or people over 80. Um, I can access them. It takes some doing, but it can be done. But I mean, they weren't purged. They were just sort of archived. It's different. Uh, but yeah, I haven't lived through a real purge. So I think about that often. How long will the things I'm making here these videos, my client work, my films, how long will they be on the net? Do people still say the net? On the web, whatever. On the web and accessible to people who want to watch them. Because sometimes I'll think about stuff like, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now. So, I mean, I don't know how long I'll be around for. I mean, I'm not, I'm not imminently dying, obviously. Like, I'm not at that age where you're like, well, it's about that time. I mean, anything could happen, knock on wood. But, uh, you know, when I'm 80 or... When I'm gone, let's just go with that. When I'm gone, uh, will my kids, who will be adults at that point, be able to, you know, say, I want to watch Dad ramble when he was in his prime? I mean, I don't know if this is my, if this is my prime. That's pretty sad. Uh, I think my prime may have passed already. But, like, that, that idea, like, I, I don't have any videos of my, of my, gran my paternal grandfather, for example. Uh, I have a lot of photos of him. I knew him well. Uh, he... He was alive most of my life. Uh, he passed 10 years ago, uh, around this time of year, actually. So it's probably why it's on my mind. And uh, he, like, I don't have any videos of him. Like, uh, I've looked. I, I, I had a video phone. He was around while I had an iPhone, I think. Maybe the first version of me having an iPhone. But like, there's no videos of him. Like, I can't hear his voice if I want to. Uh, and as time passes, I, I, I remember it less and less. Um, same thing goes for like my uncle who passed away a few, just a couple years ago uh, he just wasn't one to make videos of himself there's a lot of photos of him I have a few videos of him playing guitar and singing uh, but like this this the idea that I could like the idea, here's what I'm trying to get at if I one day a grandchild for example who will or a great grandchild who will never have known me will have never overlapped generationally on on this planet I'll be gone before they're here kind of thing, right? Uh, maybe not a grandchild, but a great-grandchild. Would they be able to sit down and, you know, go through the morning show and go through my podcasts and my films and get a grasp of who I was and know, know me? And if they can, do I want them to know that version of me, right? I think that what I do on this show, I have no issue with. I mean, this is the purest version of me. It's me unfiltered, but it's also me without having to explain myself to anyone, without having to defend a position, without having to do anything. It's just me thinking out loud. I mean, that's probably what this fucking podcast should be called. Phil thinks out, like thinking out loud, which I should write down because I'll forget. But I just video, I, I recorded it, so I have it. <coughs> but like, then I think about this just thing. I think about the morning show. And I think of some of the wacky shit we say there and how easily it could be taken out of context. And I was like, I don't know if that's the version of me I want people... Like, I don't want people to think that's how I was or that's who I am. Even though it is. It's just, it's just 
in a it's it's me in a vacuum, right? It's me without context. Um, my films, a hundred percent. I have my films are they make this podcast look like me playing uh, dress up. Honestly, uh, if you want to know me, you go you watch the films I've made and you know me exactly as I was in that moment in time during my life, what I believed, how I felt, everything. Um, and a lot of those, a lot of that, like the the, the the truth, the the sincerity that comes from that is one, I fancy myself an artist. I mean, that's my imposter syndrome speaking when I say I fancy my, I mean, I make art. That's that's what I do for a living. Video is art. And I'm not that, I'm not actually out there making like clickbait videos. Like I know there are videos that are not art. I've seen them. I've been tasked to make them in the past. Uh, some of them just, they're, they're a craft to some extent because you need to know what you're doing. But they're not art. They're just, tools. Uh, but I would say that a good 75 to 80% of the videos I do produce, I would still consider art because there is a lot of creative process and the creative process, it supersedes, it comes before the marketing needs. It's like, we want to make something beautiful that expresses something. And by doing that, we want it to have a marketing influence, right? Um, YouTube videos, YouTube videos for me, especially when they're just someone like the simplest form of YouTube videos, someone just talking to a camera. I mean, that's art to some extent, right? Uh, it's not a fine art, maybe. It, it's hard. Art is so hard to describe nowadays. I feel like once upon a time, art was simple. You made something. You just made something. Uh, you painted something. You, you sculpted something. You drew a picture. You made a song. Like you made something. Um, but can it be art if there's no true expression in it, right? Like, I was watching, what was that movie called? I was watching a movie called Kodachrome with Ed Harris, and he says at one point in the film, I might fuck up the quote now. Good movie, by the, <clears throat> good movie, by the way. I, I enjoyed the film. Like, uh, it, it hit me in the feels, you know? It was a Netflix original from, like, 2018. I think it did well at Sundance. I forget where. Anyways, great film. Uh, some, some issues as a film. Like, no, no film is perfect. Very few films are perfect. Uh, but I enjoyed it. And he says at one point, so he's like, he's a photographer. He's like the last great living photographer. Uh, and he only shoots on film because he's a purist. And he says no great art was ever made, f like, born of happiness. It's all born of suffering. And then I was like, I don't know if that's true. And I thought about it. And then I was like, what about, like, art made by, because of love? But at the same time, anyone who made art because they loved, they weren't in love and so happy about love that they made something something happened to turn that emotional expression of love, like maybe that person left, maybe that person passed, maybe there was a period where they were not together. I'm talking about love specifically. And in that moment, that person suffered. And you don't know what you have until it's gone, right? So like once you don't have the thing that makes you so happy, your baseline's changed. And then you suffer. I mean, suffering is relative, obviously, to the individual, to the experience of that individual. But... It, it it like it hit home with me and I was like, that's true. And then I think of all these like filmmakers and I will call them filmmakers um, that I know that I grew, that some of them I grew up with, some of them I went to school with, I've crossed paths with. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I'm just thinking of people that I've crossed paths with over the years. And some of them have lived the most perfect lives. I mean, no, no life is perfect and everyone suffers in their own right. But there's like, like I said, it's subjective, but at the same time, 
I've, I've known people who were very privileged, and I don't mean white privilege. I mean privilege in the sense that they came from very old money, uh, like multi-generational wealth from before Canada was even a dominion. And they got into whatever they got into in life, and they got bored, and they said, I'm a filmmaker now. And their work sucks. Everything about it sucks. It has no substance. Maybe sometimes it's visually appealing. I won't say beautiful. Because you can learn to frame. You can learn to light. But you can never learn to compose a scene based on visuals that convey emotion. You can't learn that unless you feel it. Um, like these filmmaker courses that you see. Like, I don't know if anyone... I mean, I get them all the time, these ads, because of my search history, obviously, and my interests. But they're like, become a filmmaker in 14 days. You can't become a filmmaker in 14 days. You can learn the technical aspects of fi making films, like the, the general theory behind it in, yeah, in a couple of days. You could probably learn it, and I use the term very loosely. But 14 days and you're a filmmaker? You're not a filmmaker until you've made films that have failed, until you've been... You've watched an audience. You're not a filmmaker until you've seen an audience watch your work and not connect with it at all. Like, you, you have to fall flat because you can't know how to make a connection until you know how not to. And that's where the art is. So am I an artist? I'm, I mean, I want to think that I am. I hope that I am. I hope that my art means a fucking damn thing. I don't know that it does. Even this I would consider art to some extent because, uh, I mean, this is more philosophy. I guess philosophy is an art in its own right. Um, but yeah, these are the things, these are the random things that I think about. And you think it's because I smoke too much weed, but it's not the case. I mean, it hasn't been the case for nearly a decade. Um, like, especially once I had kids, like, that was off the table. Um, it's just, I, I'm more sleepy than I am interested in... Uh, being stoned I'd rather go to bed um, having two kids is, is a lot and I think about them a lot too and I love them they're my kids I love them more than anything uh, there's no like there's a lot of euphemisms a lot of cliches that you can say about how you feel about kids it's it's biological it's psychological I don't know how to describe it I'm not going to try but anyone who has kid knows uh, who has kids knows what I'm trying to say and anyone who doesn't I mean if you don't want to experience that that's fine with me um, but you're probably missing out a little bit. I mean, there's definitely sacrifice involved. Uh, like you, you give up things that made you, you, but you're still you. Like I see a lot of, especially on TikTok. I feel like, I feel like moms of TikTok or moms of real moms, like R-E-E-L, real moms. Uh, they act as though they're the first generation that ever had children. It, it really... It, it blows my mind. I was talking with someone recently about this. Uh, I remember who it was, a new parent. And there was this whole concept of, this is what we were discussing, this whole concept of like, you know, there's sacrifice and you have to mourn that old self. I mean, you don't have to mourn your old self. Your old self is still there. You're just entering a new phase of your development. Like, I, I don't understand the idea that there's grief involved. I mean, sure, you might miss doing stuff. You might. Um, the freedom. You definitely miss the freedom. But at the same time, when you had that freedom, you were using that freedom to seek out experiences and people that made you feel, I mean, whole, 
is not right, really the right word, but that made you feel good. Now, no matter how tired you are, there's this tiny human being, this little creature, who literally loves you more than anything. So the, the what's it, is it cortisol? Not cortisol. Anyways, the feel-good hormones, whatever they are. I forget what they're called. Uh, when you make physical contact, you hug a, uh, your child or, or you see their face light up for something, it, it's, it's better than, you know, going out and getting drunk and having a good dance. You know what I mean? Um, so there's give and take, but like the idea of grief, that you're grieving something, like you've lost something, you haven't lost something, you moved on from something. And, and these real moms, like I call them, they just... They obsess over, it's hard to explain because they're basically stating the obvious, like they're mothers, they're responsible for people. And you know what? Maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe it's not just real moms. Maybe it's the entire generation, my, like my entire generation, because we're the ones with kids right now. I mean, Gen Z hasn't really, I mean, some of them have, but mostly it's millennials who are having kids right now, uh, who are coming into parenthood or who are settling into parenthood, I should say, especially the older uh, ones among us the elders of the tribe, if you will. Um, we act as though we're the first generation, like people make it seem like we're the first generation who ever did anything, which is obviously bullshit. It's not true. I think we're the most, we think about shit too much. That's what it is. Like, I just realized I'm about to like say something that I'm vis like I'm literally doing right now. Like I'm overthinking things. And that's true. I am. But it, it, it is good to talk about stuff, but to act as though you're the first. Like, I'm not pretending like I'm the first. I'm sure my dad had the same fucking thoughts I have when I was being a fucking brat or when I wasn't doing well in school or when I was getting, was getting phone calls because I was getting suspended. Like, like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, I'm sure he thought these things. But he never, at least not in front of me or around me, he never articulated these emotions. I mean, not that he's very articulate when it comes to emotions. Like, my dad's pretty stoic. Um, yeah, yeah, he would have never told me. But I never even got, like, an inkling of it. And then I think about my kids, and I'm like, do they know how stressed I am? And I feel like maybe they don't. They have no idea. And I mean stressed, I don't mean right now, I mean in general. Like, work, life, money, balancing things, the kids. Like, I, I, I get short sometimes. I snap at my kids, especially the older one, because the little one's a baby. But the older one, sometimes I forget that she's only five and, and she'll do something which is completely, no look, she's very smart, okay? Uh, sometimes I have a hard time believing that she's only five because of the level of, she's very analytical. She can figure things out. She, she can read, emo that's what it is. She's not analytical. She is analytical, but that's not what I'm trying to get at. She is very good at understanding adults' emotions. Like she's empathetic in that sense, so she can communicate with you really well and because of that you kind of forget how little she is and it's not so something that happens with our like my wife and I like with her parents like she can do this with strangers like she's just a people person she's good with people she can read people the problem is because of that I forget she's five and she'll do something that a five-year-old will do like draw on something or whatever and I'm and I'm so disappointed in her as if she killed a man and sometimes my reactions do not fit the crime like at all and I look at her and I always, the second I do it, I always apologize to her. And I always explain to her, I go, listen, I'm sorry I was crabby. Like in the same breath, like I'll yell at her and then instantly apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I forget how young you are. I forget how little you are. And it's, it's, it's not your fault. It's my fault. 
Uh, I mean, when she's bad and I get mad at her, that's different. Like when she's really misbehaving or she does something, which she doesn't really, to be honest. Um, she whines a lot, but she's a child, right? They, they, they whine. Um, but yeah, like I try to make it clear to her that I'm like, okay, look, I'm not actually mad at you. I just, I got caught off guard. And part of me feels like that's the right thing to do. Part of me feels that I'm making her, like I'm spoiling her. Like every time she's in trouble, I apologize. But I don't mean to do what I do sometimes, right? So like if I punish her because she did something terrible, I'm not going to apologize to her. I'm going to say something along the lines, you know, like, I'm sorry that it's come to this, but you've been warned and you're now punished, you know? Uh, I'm sorry that you're sad about it, but this is the consequences. That's fine. I mean, that, my dad used to do that to me too, whatever. But like yelling at her and be like, oh, yo, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have yelled. Like that seems like a normal thing. Like it happens between adults too. Like you lose your temper and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know why I raised my voice, you know? Um, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> but I don't know if that's the right call for a kid. And that's the thing. I, I have no fucking idea. And to jump back to that first thing I was talking about, about, you know, how long will this be up here and will people be able to watch it, you know, descendants and know me. I hope that my kids, when they see this one day, long time from now, because my daughter doesn't watch my podcast now. She doesn't care about it. She's like, this is boring, daddy. Can we make a green screen video where I'm a princess? Which I will do with her eventually. She keeps asking. Uh, I don't know who told her about green screens. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> um... Yeah, like, I hope they can see this and be like, ah, dad, he was a silly fuck, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, he yelled sometimes, but he was a good dude. Like, I hope they look back on me and they're like, yeah, the man wasn't perfect, but he did the best he could and he, the best he could was all right. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't really matter because I won't be around to hear those opinions. So who cares? I do, though. It's weird. Uh, these morning podcasts, apparently, are very, very, very uh, Nietzschean. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Apparently, between 8.30 and 9, I'm uh, the darkest dark. Um, I'm actually wondering right now, because I probably could keep rambling, but I don't even know if I should, to be honest. Uh, let's talk about something else. What else can I talk about? Mm. Ah, here's a, here's, a, here's a good one. Here. Okay. I was driving in my car the other day after having spent way too much time with Poseidon after the morning show. Mr. Uh, conspiracy himself. And I was thinking, imagine if the lockdowns had happened 10 years ago, right? They wouldn't have been able to function as lockdowns. We wouldn't have had the technology to be able to function as a society. I mean, we arguably didn't do it very well anyways, but the lockdowns and COVID happened mere months after we achieved the technological capability to do everything we did while we were in lockdown. Like 5G had just rolled out, internet speeds, new networks, all that, right? And during that time, the blockchain grew. And now that the blockchain has evolved into what it is today, and we're out of lockdown, but there are threats. Like, I mean, I've, I've been following the news as, like, passively. I don't like to focus too much on the fucking news, but there's a lot of talk about restrictions, and it feels like we're going into, like, a light version of lockdowns. Like, I, I hope I'm wrong. But it feels like we're entering into some new phase of this post-pandemic world, which isn't really post because we're still in it technically, where they're going to start closing certain things. I don't really know what's happening, but it just feels like something is building up. And I, I don't know if anyone else feels that also, but it feels like something's coming. Uh, and now with the new variants, I, I, like, by the way, this whole thing about the Greek names of the variants, like, 
to all the people who are confused, yeah, they're Greek letters. Greek letters are used as numerals also, the way Ro the Romans used letters as numerals. The Greek ones are much simpler um, because there's no, like, VII and shit. I think there's a few that are conjoined, like, I think uh, Sigma Tau is, like, six. I, I forget. But it's nowhere near as confusing as uh, Roman numerals. Also, they're not using them as numerals. They're just using them as names that happen to be chronologically, not chronologically, but sequential, so alpha, beta, gamma, like an alphabet. It's very simple to understand. You can just look at the Greek alphabet. It's very straightforward. Uh, no normal Greek person is mad about this. No one is screaming cultural appropriation. Uh, I saw Trevor Noah made a joke about it. It wasn't funny. It fell fucking flat. Um, I've also seen a lot of Greek people that I know from my community here uh, and the Greek Americans posting stuff like, when you know how to pronounce the variant. Like, who cares? Who the fuck cares? Or people being mad that somehow... This is the best one. People being mad that they wouldn't use the XI the variant, the Xi uh, variant, because it's the name of the Chinese prime minister, or whatever he is, Chinese regent, <laughs> the, the emperor. Um, but that Greeks are being hurt and the Greek culture is being hurt because we're using Greek letters to categorize the variants. That is the dumbest load of shit I have ever heard. If you honestly believe that, wow, man, who, who done wronged you? Like, was it the education system? Your parents, you are stupid as shit. Um, that's just stupid. It's stupid. Th that's, that is literally the dumb, that is a, someone looking to capitalize on victim culture. They're like, oh, me too, I want to be a victim. I found this thing that's loosely maybe could be a problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it, and that's going to make me more relevant and more important, so I'm going to post about it and, be, and have fucking furious outrage, and I'm going to virtue signal about a non-existent problem. We've been using Greek letters to fucking number things for centuries. It's not a big deal. This is probably the same asshole who brags about it in, uh, <laughs> when, it's, when it comes to math, like pi and del delta as change and pi as the, well, pi, 3.14. Uh, theta, lambda, we use all of these things. I just, I feel sad for the variants that fell between delta and uh, mu because like no one knew about them. Maybe they were good dudes. We don't know anything about them. Maybe they could have been the ones that stopped the pandemic. You know, there's a whole bunch in the middle. We'll never know. And yet everyone's making a big deal about the new variant, which they didn't use, the NU, the letter, Greek letter N, and the C, the, the XI. Um, Okay, we skipped two, but who cares? And the idea that they didn't want to piss off the Chinese regent is kind of hilarious. I mean, as a person who makes funny jokes sometimes, not a comedian, but a person who makes funnies, it's pretty hilarious that they're so scared of China that they would do that. It's also very telling of how stupid people really are. And the new variant, NU, the fact that they wouldn't use that because they were scared Americans would think it was just a new N-E-W variant, also fucking hilarious. Everyone is dumb, and uh, we're all heading down the fucking virtual toilet. Like, that, that's where we're at. Um, sorry, my nose is so itchy today, guys. It's fucking, this up and down weather, the, the cold, hot, cold, hot, it just makes, makes me like, mm. I, I can't explain it. If you're just listening and you're not watching me, I made a facial expression which explains it without words how it makes me feel like, mm, like that. Like, just dry and gross. Um, I don't know why my grandparents came to Canada. There's so many other options, places that were warm. I will say this, though. It is the only place where I can't get killed by a scorpion, 
killed by a snake, eaten by a gator, fall into an open crevice in the earth because of an earthquake, get taken out by a volcano. No hurricane's going to flood me. It's actually quite safe here. It's just unpleasant. Give and take, right? It's fair trade-off. The only thing here that can kill me is extreme cold, which we haven't had for years. Uh, it gets cold, but it's not going to hurt me. Ice. Ice is the one thing. Actually, that's the real danger of living here. It's ice. It's definitely ice. Um, you're either going to slip on it, fall on it. I actually fell a few days ago. I was walking down the driveway, and I just, whoop, cartooned right down the fucking driveway. Slammed my fucking coccyx. Coccyx? Coccyx. I slammed my ass on the fucking pavement, and it hurt. Um... Oh, the sun's coming out. That's nice. I don't know if it shows on the camera. Um, so yeah, I, I completely lost my train of thought with uh, the whole ice will kill you in Quebec thing. I think I will call this episode now. It's almost 30 minutes. I think you've gotten what you needed from me today, which was nonsense. Someone told me that this podcast is the greatest, uh, like, uh, <laughs> what's the word he used? Like, uh, companion piece. If you're stoned, like if you're high and you just want to just chill and do like housework, this is the podcast for you because I mean, I don't know. I've never gotten stoned and listened to my own podcast uh, or made one while high, um, but I feel like they might be right because sometimes I have epiphanies on this show that aren't epiphanies. They're high people epiphanies. They're just like, whoa, man, sun is hot. Like, I literally have Poseidon moments sometimes because I'm just, I'm thinking out loud. Fuck, I might change the name of this podcast to Thinking Out Loud. Uh, let me know in the comments if I should do that. Should I get rid of Fill My Hole and call it Thinking Out Loud? Is there another podcast called Thinking Out Loud? Will I have to kill them to take their title? I don't know. Balabanos.com is where you can find out everything you need to know about me. Uh, if you're watching the, me for the first time on this episode, please watch other episodes before you decide what a buffoon I am. Uh, morning show. The morning show. The only morning show. I know there are other people who say they have the morning show. They're, they're liars. There was only one morning show. It is live on Pantelis Comedy, Wednesdays and Fridays. Links for that will be in the description. Like, I have a single link that takes you to, like, a page where it gives you all my good links. All those good links. You want those links? Go get them. And uh, my name is Phil Balabounce. This has been Phil My Hope. Potentially to be called Thinking Out Loud. I'll probably get over that in a few minutes. And I will see you in the next podcast where I will say hopefully something more relevant and you know linear like maybe i'll follow some sort of trend maybe i'll have a topic maybe i should i have a topic also tell me that what's the topic you guys want i'll see you next time you've been listening to fill my hole this podcast is available on youtube in its full video form if you're lazy and you don't want to google it and you don't want to search on youtube balabanos.com hit the podcast section you can subscribe directly to the rss feed there my name is Phil Balabanos, and I'll see you next time.